Did you know you can get an FHA loan with as little as a 500 credit score? Do you know the actual guidelines behind the reasons that realtors don't like FHA loans and therefore will not recommend them to their sellers if there's an equivalent conventional offer? No worries, you're in the right place. I'm gonna break that down and stuff like uh, FHA loan limits. Why, if you're in a community property state, you really need to understand how the debt to income ratio guidelines work. House hacking, credit requirements, how to use the FHA loan to rehab a property, appraisals, sub reception, and a whole lot more. But first, what is an FHA loan in the first place? Let's talk about it. Welcome back to House Rich, the first time home buyer show where we help millennials figure out how in the world do I buy my first home. Today, we're breaking down the FHA loan guidelines. So the FHA, the Federal Housing Administration. So the Federal Housing Administration came about in order to make loans more accessible to folks with credit challenges and typically in like the lower income brackets. So we hear at the FHA, they don't actually give out loans. They insure the loans that other lenders give out. And in order to insure these loans, they set minimum requirements that all lenders must abide by. Minimum there is very important because lenders can add what's called overlays on top of those minimum requirements. So when I give you these guidelines, please know that all lenders do not abide by these minimum requirements. They may stack overlays on top of that. But let's get into the first item, FHA loan limit. So for a single family property, it is $472,030. Duplex, $604,400. Triplex, $730,525. And for a four-unit property, it is $970,900. Now, if you're in a high cost of living area, so think of like San Francisco, parts of LA, parts of New York, where it's super expensive to live, those loan limits are higher. So for a single-family property, it is $1,089,300, all the way up to a fourplex where it is $2,095,200. Now, as a point of reference, I want to compare these to the conventional or conforming loan limits because you may hear other lenders or realtors refer to higher loan limits, and these are for a conventional loan only. So for a single-family property, $726,200, all the way up to a fourplex, $1,396,800. So what happens if you want to purchase a home that is above these loan limits? Remember, they are the loan limits. For instance, if there's a home with a sales price of $480,000 and you put down 3.5%, that comes out to $16,800. The loan amount after the down payment will be $463,200. So you are under that loan limit. And if it's a purchase price that is higher than the loan limit, still after the 3.5% down payment, you got to put down more money or you can't get an FHA loan. That's just what it is. So there's no exceptions as far as the loan limit. Now, credit and down payment requirements. So with an FHA loan, if you have a 500 credit score, you have to put down at least 10%. Once you get a 580 credit score, that's when you become eligible for the 3.5% down payment. Having said that, as I mentioned at the beginning, most lenders have what's called lender overlays or additional guidelines on top of the minimum requirements because they have to sell these loans to investors. Typically, most lenders are going to want you to have at least a 620 or a 640 credit score. The lenders with the lower credit requirements are going to offer you a much higher interest rate due to the greater risk they're taking on. 
due to the lower credit score. Now, once again, the FHA loans are much more forgiving credit-wise. So for instance, stuff like medical debt is not looked at as harshly for an FHA loan. For instance, if you have a medical collection, typically that's under $2,000, it's not a big deal as far as the qualification process. If the debt is over that $2,000 limit, you either have to pay it off or at least have a plan in place in order to pay off that medical debt or collection. As far as stuff like uh, public records or events, like a deed in lieu of foreclosure, there's gonna be a three-year wait requirement for a bankruptcy. You're gonna have a two-year wait requirement. That's hard to say. And for like a IRS lien, you're gonna have a three-year wait requirement. Now, with an FHA loan, you have mortgage insurance, just like you do with a conventional loan for putting down less than 10%, but it works a lot different. So. The mortgage insurance is referred to as a mortgage insurance premium, MIP. That lasts forever, the life of the loan, unless you put down 10% initially, and then the mortgage insurance drops off at the 11-year mark. So there's no LTV or loans of value requirements with the FHA loan. It's just there forever, or it drops off at 11 years if you initially put down 10%. There's also upfront mortgage insurance, which you probably have never heard of because typically it's just rolled into the loan without you realizing it. So it is 1.75% of the loan amount. It is due at closing unless you finance it. For instance, if you have a $100,000 loan, your upfront mortgage insurance is $1,750. This is why I actually like to point out that the down payment for an FHA loan is actually 5.25% because the three and a half percent down payment plus the 1.75% mortgage insurance, which is actually above the 5% conventional requirement, which is 5% if you're not a first-time home buyer and only 3% if you are a first-time home buyer, the more you know. So now who's actually a first-time home buyer when it comes to an FHA loan? Well, it's anybody that has not owned a property for three years or has owned a property in the last three years, but has not lived in that property. So for instance, if you purchased a property, turned into an investment property and started renting or live with your parents or whatever, as long as you're not in that property, you're considered a first-time home buyer. Before we go any further, the FHA loan is for primary residents only. Translation, if you're not going to live in the property, you cannot get an FHA loan. Any scenario where you get an FHA loan and you're not planning to live in the property is mortgage fraud. The FHA guidelines state that you need to live in the property for at least one year. Now we've talked down payment requirements. Let's talk seller concession. So a seller concession is a percentage of the purchase price that the seller can actually give the buyer to cover closing costs. With an FHA loan, the max seller concession amount is 6%. So for instance, if the sales price is $100,000, the seller can give the buyer $6,000 to cover those closing costs. Now, that's great for you, the buyer, but it does make your offer less attractive if there's two similar offers and one's not giving sellers concessions. Now, how are rates on the FHA loan? Are they better, worse than other loans? So typically, the interest rate itself is better on an FHA loan. Now, I'm doing air quotes because you really have to factor in that mortgage insurance on an FHA loan, which stays on the loan forever. So an example, if you have a conventional loan and the interest rate is a 5.000, but you have an FHA loan and the interest rate is a 4.750, the interest rate itself may be better, 
but you have to remember that mortgage insurance stays on there forever. So after three to four years, you may be able to drop the mortgage insurance on a conventional loan. And although you have the higher interest rate, your principal and interest payment is less because you don't have mortgage insurance anymore. With a FHA loan, the only way to drop that mortgage insurance is to refinance your loan, which may cost you a couple thousand dollars. And who knows where the interest rates may be at that time that you go to refinance. They may be at a 5.750 at that point. So you actually can never drop the mortgage insurance because there's no benefit to you refinancing due to the higher rate. Here's a story about how interest rates can vary from lender to lender and why you need to shop around. So I was at Chase about four years ago and Chase did not want to do FHA loans. There's just so much there's audits, there's just so many guidelines with them, but they can't just say, hey, Chase is not doing FHA loans. So what they did was they raised their interest rates for FHA loans to such a ridiculous amount that buyers would be like, why in the world would I go to you to do an FHA loan when you're 2% above the market? So it was either folks would walk away and not do FHA loans, or the people that were super uninformed would actually just be paying 2% above the market rate. And also like the turn times on those FHA loans were like 45 to 60 days when typically Chase was closing other loans like 20 to 30 days. So just a little bit of insider information back in the day. I don't know what they're doing now as far as FHA loans. Now your debt to income ratio or your DTI, which is your monthly finance debts plus your future mortgage payment divided by your income before taxes. So for an FHA loan, your front end debt to income ratio can go all the way up to 47% and your back end, which is the total thing can all go, go up to, excuse me, 57%. Once again, lenders have overlaid. So typically your debt to income ratio requirements will be a lot less for most lenders. Most likely you're going to be maxed out at around a 43% DTI, but hey, you can't go up to a 57% for some lenders. Two important things to note about your debt to income ratio is if you're in a community property state, your spouse's debts are added to the loan, even if they're not on the loan or not. So you may be thinking, hey, my spouse has poor credit. I'm not going to add them to the loan. Well, it kind of sucks because since they have poor credit and may not be able to qualify, their income cannot come, but their debts are coming as part of the loan. So if you're doing your own DTI calculations on your own, make sure you factor that into your process as well. But of course, the best way to figure out your debt to income ratio is to talk to a lender because they would know that guideline. But your community property states are Arizona, Cali, Idaho, Louisiana, Nevada, New Mexico, Texas, Washington, and Wisconsin. Now let's cover student loan debt. So if your loans are in deferment, basically, you know, they have like zero balance, your lender will use 0.5% of the loan balance, which is going to be most likely way higher than if you took your loans out of deferment and have a income-based repayment plan. I'm not telling you to take your loans out of deferment, but for example, if you have a $100,000 loan or student loan, the monthly payment that your lender is going to use is $500. So just beware of that. Now let's talk about the appraisal. The appraisal by definition is an unbiased assessment of the property's value. It's considered unbiased because it's not done by the seller's realtor or the buyer's realtor, but everyone inherently has their own biases. So I always laugh when I see the unbiased thing as far as the definition of an appraisal. So the appraiser is there to evaluate the value of the property. They're not a home inspector, but they have eyes. So there's certain things that the appraiser will see that can stop you dead in his tracks for an FHA loan. So for any type of loan, if there's foundation or roof issues, 
that will have to be fixed before a lender can fund the loan. But for an FHA loan, there are more stricter requirements. So for instance, the life of the roof has to be at least two years left in it. If there's standing water outside, that has to be fixed. So fixed, so like the land may have to be like re-sloped. Um, appliances all have to work. There can't be like open electrical outlets. So there's a lot more requirements when it comes to an FHA loan that have to be fixed that with a conventional loan don't necessarily have to be fixed, maybe should be fixed, but that's up to negotiation between the buyer and the seller. With the FHA, there are items that stop you dead in your tracks. This is one of the reasons that if there's an equivalent FHA and conventional offer, realtors would typically recommend that their sellers take the conventional offer so they don't have to deal with these things that may be minor or maybe major. Another aspect of the FHA appraisal is the appraisal sticks with the property for four months. So for instance, if somebody was under contract before you and got an appraisal done, and for whatever reason fell out of contract, that appraisal price is stuck with the property, which can be a good thing or a bad thing, depending on what side of the coin you're on. For instance, if you're a seller, and you got an appraisal done in February, and now it's, now it's April and home prices have been going up, you're still stuck with that appraisal from February. On the other side of the coin, if home prices are kind of going down, it can be maybe harder to negotiate a lesser price because the seller's like, hey, we had an appraisal done. They're saying the home's $300,000. You're trying to offer me $1,280, but an unbiased opinion of the property said is $300,000. So that's another reason realtors will sometimes steer the seller away from the FHA loan because they don't want to deal or be stuck with that appraisal forever, or at least, at least for about four months. And finally, there's something called the amendatory clause. What it says is that if the home appraises for less than the sales price, the buyer can get their earnest money back at any point in time in the process if the seller doesn't want to lower the price. For instance, if the sales price is $300,000, the appraisal comes in at $299,500. I've seen this actually happen, a $500 difference. Now the buyer can actually just walk away and get their earnest money back. So that gives the buyer a lot of negotiating power that you typically would not have in this situation. One cool offshoot of the FHA loan is the FHA 203k rehab loan. It allows you to roll all the renovation costs into the actual loan itself. So for instance, some of those showstoppers like foundation issues or roof issues, they may not be able to qualify for any other type of financing. You can roll those renovations right into the loan. So that gives you a bigger pool of properties you're able to look at where typically those homes would have to be purchased with a straight cash. So you can also use it for like cosmetic upgrades, like upgrading a kitchen, upgrading a bathroom and upgrading landscaping and stuff to make the home look a lot better. So therefore you can buy like the ugliest house on the block and turn it into something that's pretty cool. There's two versions of the 203k loan. There's one that the repairs are below $35,000 and one that is above $35,000. I have a much longer video on the FHA 203k loan. It'll be in the description of this episode. But the big difference is over 35k, you have to have what's called an FHA HUD consultant that kind of helps guide you through the loan process. That's why it's kind of referred to as a rehab loan on training wheels. Now let's talk house hacking because that's one major benefit of the FHA loan because that three and a half percent down payment is for a two unit, three unit, or four unit property. With a conventional loan, even if you're living in the property for like a four unit property, that down payment can still go all the way up to like 20, 25%. So one thing you need to know about house hacking is the FHA self-sufficiency test. What it says is if you're buying a three or four unit property, 
the mortgage can be no more than 75% of the rents on the property. It doesn't matter what unit you're in. So let's say all the units on a fourplex rent for $1,000. Your mortgage can be no more than $3,000 or 75% of the rents. This is something you need to especially pay attention to if you're in like high cost of living areas, because typically it's very hard to pass the FHA self-sufficiency test in those markets. So you may have to put down more than that 3.5% down payment. Now let's talk seller perception. That's very important because the whole point of you getting a loan is so someone will accept your offer. And here's just my opinion mixed with just experience. When it comes to an FHA loan, the perception is, hey, this person has bad credit. That's why they're going an FHA loan. So people associate bad credit with somebody's lack of responsibility when it comes to paying bills and meeting their financial obligations. Therefore, if you're making an offer on a loan, they're saying, hey, there's this conventional offer. They're putting down 3%, but there's this FHA offer. They put down 3.5%. They probably have credit issues. This is probably a risky offer on top of all the other items that I mentioned that are perceived as negatives from a realtor perspective, which the realtor just relays to their seller. So having said all that, there's really only two reasons ever to go FHA over conventional. And one, I appreciate you rocking with me this whole way. Drop like a green apple in the comment section so I know that you watched this far. But here's the thing. One, you have credit challenges and you just can't qualify for a conventional loan. Or two, you're looking to house hack and take advantage of that 3.5% down payment for a two, three, or four unit property. That's really it. So uh, I'm here in the Dallas market, but I can help you really anywhere as far as your real estate journeys when it comes to purchasing a home. So uh, hit me up. My information is down in the uh, comment section. And uh, buy land. Rumor has it they're not making any more of it.